0: Our reading today from Isaiah is the same reading that Jesus selects as the text for his very first sermon to his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. He stands to read, he unrolls the scroll, takes a few seconds because scrolls don't have pages, he finds the precious moment in the scroll that says... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now Jesus is reading in a settled place, a familiar place. He's at home. And though he stirs up the congregation with the little sermon he preaches afterward, and they try to literally run him off a cliff, he is still preaching at a relatively stable time in history. It is the quiet before the storm, if you will. Not so with Isaiah himself. The first time that Isaiah prophesies these famous words in public, he is standing in the midst of ruins. He's preaching to people who have been in exile, in captivity, enduring humiliation, surviving under systems of domination, but not thriving. Isaiah prophesies these words for the first time to a people who will return from exile to ruin cities, broken institutions, diminished communities, burned out buildings, collapsed bridges, dilapidated infrastructure, hardship upon hardship. We strain to imagine how quickly communities can fall apart. A little over 20 years ago, there's a little prairie town in South Dakota called Spencer became ground zero for an F4 tornado, quarter mile wide funnel cloud, just swallowed up this hamlet whole. Half the town's residents were injured, six people died. Not a single building was untouched by damage or debris. Sheet music from a local Lutheran church landed 40 miles away in some guy's front yard. On surveying the damage, then-governor William Janklow said, it's like a combat zone. It's like standing in, in the midst of Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Back in Spencer, it would have been appropriate that coming Sunday for a minister to stand on the grounds of where his or her church had, had once stood and read these words from Isaiah. Anyone who's ever sorted through the aftermath of a natural disaster can relate to Isaiah's prophecy and God's promises to rebuild. On the other hand, I believe in the original sense of this prophecy, Isaiah is addressing a different kind of devastation. He says they shall build up the ancient ruins and repair the devastations of many generations. From this perspective, we're hearing one of Israel's major prophets describe God's plans for righting the wrongs that have plagued his people and finally led to national ruin and humiliation. Isaiah is speaking of systems, structures, ideas, ideologies, powers, principalities that span and likely predate the lifetimes of his own hearers distortions of justice that go back generations, perversions of peace that precede the memories of his current congregation, curvatures of of righteousness, and a making crooked of paths that had once been straight. We hear so often today of things being broken. We hear phrases like, "...our politics are broken." Our school systems are broken, Broken. our families are broken, our infrastructure is broken, our health care system is broken, broken systems, broken lives. We've seen across the year our own nation's brokenness. This very day, hospitals across our nation are being overwhelmed. People in our communities, members of our church, who we dearly love, are enduring hardship right now. But what Isaiah helps us see is that we're not being overwhelmed by a sudden natural disaster as much as by the consequences of generations, of actions, of, of divestment in things that really matter. Community health, strong relationships across lines of race and class, communal investments in the common good that have, we've let just go by the wayside. Dallas writer Helen German recently told a fascinating story in Baptist News Global of the origins of health insurance in America. Now, I didn't know this. Like many things, this really surprised me. Our current health insurance system has its origins in the inventions and the imagination of a Baptist layman from Texas. Justin Ford Kimball at a Baptist hospital in Dallas during the Great Depression. It helped create a system of insurance to help teachers who were unable to afford treatment or take time off from work when they were sick. And that was what inspired the system, the creation of a system that has helped millions of people live a better life. But we can now see how this same system has become so corrupt in our nation that medical bill de- debt is now the leading cause of bankruptcy. This is the kind of, of a devastation of many generations. It doesn't happen all at once. It happens over time with perversions and distortions and being, doing warped things to one another. And it, it filters out and it creates this kind of power of domination and humiliation. There's no one person you can point to and say, Hey you. It's a system, it's a power, it's mysterious, but it affects our lives. Thank goodness for dreamers and for people who Isaiah would point to and say, hey, that's right, who have created something like RIP Medical Debt. You can go online, ripmedicaldebt.org right now, and for $100 you can forgive $10,000 of medical debt. And someone in America will get a, a note in the mail saying, your, your medical debt has been relieved. It will change their life. But but what's happening that's led us to this place is not the fault, as I said, of any one person. What's happening in our nation today is the result of decisions that we've all collectively made for generations. And we stand in the midst now of our own national ruins in a way. We sit with the Israelites today in a way. Isaiah opens the scroll to read to us, too. He rolls up the scroll when he's done. He looks up, and he's peering right at us. Well, now the good news, though, the good news is what God is up to in spite of our brokenness across generations. When Isaiah peers back at us, you know there's a twinkle in his eye. He's looking right at us, and he's really serious, but then right at the end, he just starts to... Curl of his mouth begins. He's got something up his sleeve that he wants to share with us. He wants us to know that God is preparing to make a new way in our moral desert. Isaiah wants us to know that God has designs on rebuilding the devastations of many generations. And Isaiah wants us to know that God's architectural plans center on employing the very people who've borne the weight of injustice, the oppressed the brokenhearted, those in captivity, those who mourn. These are the ranks of folks God is planning to deputize and put to work rebuilding. Isaiah does not appear to be walking down Wall Street or through the Hamptons as he reads from this scroll. He's walking through hospital wards. He's accompanying some of our own members through ICU units that are filling to capacity. He's walking through housing projects, Mm -hmm. oppressed neighborhoods that have been redlined, struggling small towns, walking right down the middle of them, unfurling the scroll and reading, recruiting I remember the first church that I pastored, Aaron and I went to the, the little town east of Charlotte. Once had been a thriving town, and, and when we came for the first time, we thought, what a, what a beautiful little town. This is so nice. It's kind of hidden out here. You would never know. Gingerbread cottages and, and lovely architecture and the church, oh, the church was beautiful. Harp pine floors and Cassavant organ. As we walked down through the town though the second time, after I'd accepted the call, we noticed that the storefronts were papered over with decorations that our first pass-through led us to believe were stores full of of people and, and shoppers and businesses. We found out on closer review that they'd been papered over to make look like they were thriving businesses, and in fact, we had found ourselves moved to a town that had been dismantled slowly, bit by bit, over generations, jobs sent overseas, wages suppressed, many more people than otherwise would have, living hard scrabble lives. That's the kind of of oppression over the, the course of generations that Isaiah is talking about now. This is, these are the places where Isaiah unfurls the scroll to read. Prisons, tent cities, soup kitchens, code purple warming centers, fledgling churches. The prophet has been sent to those with whom God sides and loves and longs to lift up. He's been sent to walk through the midst of a nation in mourning to say the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to tell you that God is with you and that God longs to illuminate a new way for you. And this loving God wants to share this path with you and help you hold the torch that will shine a light to a new way. it's quite hard for me to believe that almost five years ago, not quite, almost five years ago, I sat in the living room of one of our church members for my first interview with a search committee, a pastoral search committee that that ushered me to Asheville and my family. It was more or less a conventional kind of pastoral interview for most of the time introductions uh, some awkward salutations and trying to get comfortable with one another and and then we sat down together in the living room and, and settled in for a two hour conversation and I still remember the energy in the room when we began to talk about building on the traditions of our congregation in order to be a shining light, a place of healing, a place of reconciliation, new birth, new growth in the midst of our city. And I remember citing in that conversation an article I had just read by James Fallows. He talked about the criteria for new growth in in cities and towns across America, and some of the criteria were things like you have to have a community college, and you have to have uh, some, some of these cities have rivers that run through them that help drive the economy. Uh, you have to have movers and shakers, and you have to have breweries. Um, I think Asheville's still working on that. One of the criteria that was not listed was prophetic churches. And so we sat together in the living room and dreamed of what that one criteria might look like. For a congregation like ours to partner with anyone around us with an ear ready to hear prophecies like Isaiah's. In order to be a place of hope and healing, a place that bridges divides, a community that restores and helps to restore and recruits people to restore the devastations of many generations and where we can all use the best and brightest gifts that we have and that we hold together in order to rebuild not just Asheville's community, but our nation's Community. I wonder along with me. Would you dream with me and ponder these things in your heart? Might it be that God is calling us to be an Advent generation? We see so much grief around us, so much hurting and pain. My Isaiah have unfurled this scroll in our midst and in the midst of other churches around us and other communities of healing. And read these words: You bear the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord, to bring good news to the oppressed and bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim. Liberty to the captives, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Will you dream with me and imagine with me? And can you see along with me Isaiah with his piercing eyes and his wild hair, his intimidating gaze? Can you look right at him? Can we look at him together and see the twinkle in his eye?